everyone. Welcome back to Heaving Bosoms, the podcast where two best friends recap the plot of romance novels while infusing their lifelong love of the genre, as well as comedy and commentary along the way. Let's get this party started with a Patreon shout out. Jenna W., you are a bossin, or fire rooster, a gigantic fire-breathing Japanese chicken that is like, cluck cluck motherfucker, I'll burn you alive if you cross me. Mostly, you hang out in the beautiful mountainous bamboo forests of Japan, but when you come down to the villages, watch out. You breathe a cold, ethereal, blue ghost fire that burns people with fear. You have blue feet and green feathers and a red body, which is super fabulous and hard to miss, except that you are invisible at will. People just hear the flapping of your chicken wings going basa, basa, basa. It's probably the last thing your enemies will ever hear, which is a shame because you have a lot of wisdom to impart. But that's okay. You should save your wisdom for your friends anyway. Not everyone deserves you. If you want, you can get shoutouts, like you just heard, tons of bonus content, and other rewards by visiting patreon.com forward slash heaving bosoms podcast. We're releasing part three of Killing Me Softly. It's the final part of the best worst erotic thriller ever made. And now we've got part one of Rebel by Beverly Jenkins. This book is a big yum. And unless you're a Civil War scholar, you'll likely learn a ton about the hidden history of the U.S. as well. So, read it before part two comes out next week. Here we go! Oh, hey, Aaron. Hello, Aaron. I'm so happy to see you today. Hey, Aaron. Ha ba da ba ba ba. Melody, melody, melody. I didn't do it. Melody, melody, melody. There you go. Um, <laughs> there's my broken say, robot. It is extra funny to me because. <laughs> I have a friend, a new friend who how dare you? Asked me, first of all, how dare you? <laughs> who asked who me, do I need to cut? <laughs> if I knew of any romance novels for her book club, because they'd never read a romance novel. Oh, and that's I, awesome. And I recommended Red, White, and Royal Blue, and they Ooh, read it. And yeah. it seemed like they loved it. And no one had ever read a romance novel, as far as I know, let alone a gay romance novel. So Whoa. it was like, this was advanced stuff. That's great. Reportedly, some of the women learned about the whole romance world. Wow. Erin, you're doing good work in the world. I know. I'm out here, you guys. I'm out here in the streets spreading the gospel of romance. That's right. But my friend did ask me if you always sing so much. Oh, Oh, fuck. Like in real life. And I said, yes. Listen, you do. You do. And I was like, yes, she does. Swoosh, point one for Aaron. You guys, I'm insufferable. I don't know how not to be. There, I said it. 50 points to Slytherin. (laughs) 
that, and then I go and open the show with a Broadway number. God, I know. Hey, let's like be a honest. Minute. It was, it was more of a vaudeville number. It was perfect. It so, was perfect. All right. Whew. Next time, I'll get my pasties out, and it'll be a real vaudeville number. I'm so surprised you're wearing a shirt today. It blows my mind. <laughs> Every time you show up clothed, I'm like, thank you. I'm honored. I'm even wearing the down boots that you sent me two years ago, three years ago. I think you're always wearing down boots. <laughs> If it's winter, they're on. It's been a bit of a milder winter, thank you very much. But um, yeah, I broke out the down boots today. Nice. After I spent a marathon day purchasing cars. You purchased multiple cars today? No, I did not purchase multiple (laughs) cars. I did, however, test drive multiple cars and visited multiple lots. Hmm. So I am an adult lady doing adult shit. Did you buy one? We did, yeah. Is it a sexy car? Oh, boy. Is it? Uh, well, you know how <laughs> I'm a MILF, Aaron? You know mm-hmm. how I'm a MILF? Yep. It's sexy like that. <laughs> it's well, sexy like you're sexy? It's no. How dare you? No, so it's smoking hot. In like the mom region, you oh, know? Oh, no. So like it's like in, a... Like, like a champagne-colored minivan? It is actually a blue minivan. Ah, a blue minivan my second choice. Ah! My mom had a blue Windstar for many years. Listen, I know, but I was so dead set against minivans. I was like, Michael, I can't. I don't want to be a minivan mom. Like, mm-hmm. I'm an SUV mom. Come on. I'm like mm-hmm. the fun, sporty mom. That's who I am. Sure, sure, in Jersey. But mm-hmm. that... <laughs> But then I realized that you can get so many more sporty things into that minivan. Like, God, they're so roomy. What do you mean by sporty? I can put seven strollers in this GD thing plus five other people. I swear to Christ, this thing is huge. <laughs> That's and it's great. Like, but it, but like, it's not much bigger actually than the SUV. It just like uses its space better. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't yeah. know what kind of magic it is. But moms drive minivans for a reason, and apparently now I am a minivan mom. Good job. Well, you still have that nose piercing and that Monroe piercing, so That's, you're still <laughs> you're yeah. still cool. You're you still guys. Cool. <laughs> I'm still a romance loving, sex positive, all up in here cursing mom. That's who I am. So ain't no take that away from me yeah you should start a mommy blog about what a cool mom you are oh, you're not God. like other moms <laughs> please <laughs> no i love all kinds of moms i just we had a minivan when i was younger and i don't know why i was just like oh i don't want one but i i think i love this thing mm-hmm. as i was leaving because i had to come home early to put the baby to bed and michael looks at me and he goes are you happy <laughs> like very filled with trepidation and i was like yeah i am mm-hmm. i'm really happy and he was like oh okay good 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 mm-hmm. so yeah it's better for his purposes too yeah yeah and he's so like anti-vanity that he was like yeah the minivan makes yeah i want the worst one i want the it makes ugliest so much one sense. there is yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm into it mm-hmm. whatever he's still a dilf it's cool okay good. maybe he's more of a dilf in that minivan because the you world so? is unfair you know, when we read Lukov with Love, you got a little bit overeat at the minivan, didn't you? No, I got when... overeat at the way he took care of his pets. Come on. Oh, oh, I thought there was a minivan component to that. Sorry, sorry. 
Sorry, backing off, backing off. I was like, in what world do you need a special car for your dogs? You just put Um, the dogs in whatever car you own. I don't understand. Today, I found a special backpack that can contain (laughs) Rooster, and I was very excited about it. But I don't think she's going to fit. I don't know how it's going to go. She's very wiggly. And she's never stayed contained in a small, like, container. Like, I can't fly with her because she won't stay in the thing. Totally. Like, one time I actually put her in one of those carry-on kennel thingies. Hilarious. Did I tell you this already? She thrashed so violently inside of the soft-sided kennel that... I couldn't catch it. Like it was bouncing around at such a, a speed that oh, I no. ran after it. And then she <laughs> fell all the way down a flight of stairs. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and not like a small flight and then landing. This is like the the, the flight from the, the bottom floor to the top. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Like I thought she was dead. I was certain she was dead. Rooster cannot be destroyed. <laughs> yeah can i tell you a secret what for Wait, christmas there are year. thousands of people listening. <laughs> right right thank you for reminding me <laughs> sometimes i need to you yes that's true so no the secret is actually between you and me and rooster okay because you know how i owe rooster those bitch coins that <sighs> oh. i'm like really worried about because i hate owing people yeah for christmas i was gonna send you a doggy baby bjorn but I remember how I kept on asking you what size rooster is. And you kept on uh-huh. being like, I don't know, between six and 20 pounds. I'm like, yeah. what the fuck, man? That's not she, a, that's not a she size. She oscillates because <laughs> the goat steals her food. So sometimes she's like borderline starving. And then other times she like I give her way too much. And then they're both fat. It's hard. Yeah. Anyway, so that was going to be my pres- Christmas present to you. But you would not cooperate. And so Ooh. I had to get use something else and now rooster hasn't been paid still so she wouldn't have accepted that she only accepts six dollars that is what she wants is six dollars well she's gonna be asking for that till she till she croaks yeah that's probably gonna be pretty soon she's very old dog she's very old she's old she's an old dog fair all right we read a book We've got a book that I'm super stoked about. This book was goddamn gorgeous, and I loved every moment of it. It was really good. Yeah. I got this book as an ARC last year at KissCon. We all did. And I met Beverly Jenkins at Mm. KissCon. Did I tell you about getting my bag signed by her? No. Oh, man. So first of all, I thought about reading like an older Beverly. We got a request for a Beverly Jenkins. So yeah. I thought about reading Indigo or Captured or one of the older ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a fair amount of Captured in this book. But so I thought about one of the older ones. But then when I was in that line at KissCon, everyone was coming up and being like, Miss Bev, mm-hmm. I loved Indigo. It changed my life or whatever. And yeah. every time, because she's such like a serious sales lady, she would pivot to be like, there's 40 more where that came from, yeah, including yeah, yeah. my new book, Rebel. <laughs> like, buy this new book. <laughs> so I'm like, well, she clearly wants people to read her new book. So let's let's give it a shot. And yeah, I got this arc and it was signed by Beverly Jenkins. And oh I got to read an actual physical book this week, which was Ooh! neat for a change. Yeah, That is really neat. <sighs> Every moment. I love this thing. Yeah, it was so good. I have no yeah. complaints. It was great. There were there was like there was maybe two weird moments. <laughs> but I mean, and that, we'll talk about them. No complaints. All right, yeah. should we just should we just go? I think we gotta go. All so right. we've got Valinda, 
and Drake. Uh Those are our two protagonists. And Valinda is a teacher who has moved from New York temporarily down to New Orleans to Uh teach the freedmen, Uh both children and adults, whoever wants to come learn their letters and learn how to read. She is prepared to teach. Speaking of, remember when I went off on that grammar thing about when you have a word that ends in S, you need to do another apostrophe S? Yes. Remember, I think it was like Shades of Vampires. Like I went off on this whole thing. Yeah. Man, the third line, she just hits you with a New Orleans's possessive that has the double apostrophe S. And mm. so anyway, speaking about learning your letters. Miss Bev is sexy in so many ways. Hot. So hot. All right. Anyway, school teacher. So she's affiliated with this nunnery. I don't, so I I kind of herbs this part. I'm sorry, guys, because <laughs> we're we're set in, I would call this America times, Aaron. Yes. Yes. Because yes. Reconstruction yes. is, is America, America times. America times, yes. definitely an America times book. America things are happening in this book. Yeah. Big deal stuff. Historical deal stuff. America stuff is happening in this yes. book. And that is what makes it. America times. And I don't. That's right. I'm not going to listen. We're not hearing it. I'm not having any more internet arguments about this. No. You okay? can fuck off. All right. Go find fuck a different off. times if you want. Make your own find times. A different, find a Just, different podcast that has a different times that has right. accurate times. That's what yeah. I'm saying. That's not this yeah. podcast. Okay. This one is America <laughs> times. Okay. That's right. So we're set in America times, specifically in Reconstruction after the Civil War. 1867, New Orleans. That's the one. Yeah. So I am confused, partially because I kind of herbs the first chapter, but mostly because. I'm so happy to hear it. This whole thing, this whole time period was fucking confusing because the governments weren't agreeing with each other. Mm -hmm. Nobody wanted to help freedmen. The bureaucracy was a nightmare, purposefully terrible. So yeah. that freedmen wouldn't want to deal with it and would just like go try to survive on their own. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be this time of hope and wonder and, you know, white supremacy in America is overwhelming. It still is, but it especially was at that time. And so I'm just as confused as Valinda was about who she's affiliated with and how she gets paid and why won't they mm-hmm. pay her and how she gets her stipend and all of those things. And there are lines out the door for hours and hours and hours. And uh, offices are closing early because there's actually secret white supremacists at the helm of the whole thing. And it's just fucking terrible. Mm -hmm. What I loved about this book is that in Miss Bev fashion, right, she does A plus wonderful romance, hot, hot, sexy times. But she also manages to weave through, unfortunately, very little known actual history about really important shit that happened in our country. Mm -hmm. And I did read a lot of it. Yes. As everyone knows, I (laughs) herb through almost every page that does not have dialogue on it. I'm like, (laughs) history. But every time I caught a history that I was like, ooh, it was very interesting history. It absolutely was. But I did also herb some of that history. So I'm sorry. Well, you were on a deadline. I was. But some of it I was like, oh my gosh, that's really interesting. Because a lot of this stuff I didn't know. Man, and when she wove those sections through, especially about, there's a whole section that she weaves through because 
one of the freedmen asks Val for help writing a letter to try to find some of his kin mm-hmm. because his wife. And then there's yeah 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 one of them is his wife. There's another guy who talks to Drake, the hero, about how he's been moving all over the South since he was freed to try and find his mother. Mm-hmm. And he's not even super sure where he was born. Mm-hmm. So he's writing letters all over the place, trying to find his mother. And there's a bunch of statistics about how many families were separated and how many people were looking to join back together with family members because they would be sold off purposefully sold off so that slaves were isolated Mm -hmm. it was a systemic thing that slave owners did on purpose to make sure there were extra fractures in black families and that's a running theme through this book like they keep encountering that over and over and another one is the the bureaucratic mess that everything is like there's the there's the freedmen's bureau but then there's also the republican I don't know, but like there's different agencies that all do the same thing. Yeah. And they all run off of volunteers and they're all not very coordinated. Or they're run by the army who like should not be running anything like that. Or they're run by white supremacists. Exactly. Or, you know, like it's a mess. And then, you know, at one point, and I don't know how deep we're going to get into all of these kind of little excursions that they go do where we're learning these things, but like, Belinda goes and volunteers for um, some kind of agency or organization that's like people are filling out applications yeah. to get money. And the one woman says that she's applied four times and asked Belinda when the money's going to come in. Belinda's like, I don't know. And then she asked the other woman there who's her sister or going to be her sister-in-law, you know, what's going to happen? She's like, they're probably never going to come in. They just like put all these applications in a box because the money's not coming from Congress. It's like, well, yeah. why do we even do all this stuff? It's right. just like, it's you can feel the frustration of the time yeah. as you're reading this book. And Belinda's constantly going around trying to find somebody to sponsor her school. And it's just like mm-hmm. agency to agency. And it's it's a mess. And there was so much in, there were so many moments in the book And it was so masterfully done where one character would look to another one, not just the two protagonists, but it would be, you know, a side character to a protagonist where they'd be like, when do we think this is going to end? And as a contemporary reader looking at this, like there were a couple of times where I teared up, not only because of how awful like it felt Mm -hmm. to to just watch this happen on the page. But then to see how much things haven't changed, I don't know. This is one of those books. I mean, we were texting with Sarah McLean about how historical romance, like good historical romance, does really hard, important work when it comes to teaching people about different times in history. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and being inclusive and telling the stories that are not the dominant narrative for what we mm-hmm. believe about whatever time period. It can. It doesn't always, but it exactly. can. Exactly. Good historical oh, romance. Oh, yes, you said does good that. historical romance. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and so when we see the boards that are like this isn't historically accurate. It's like gay people have always existed, you fucker. <laughs> You just don't hear their stories. And like, that's one thing these books can do. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is a perfect example of the heavy fucking lifting historical romance can do 
to teach people about time periods without being like a dusty textbook. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because I felt what was happening here in a way that just like a list of statistics might not hit a person. Mm -hmm. And it's it's just absolutely amazing. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Plot. Okay. Here we go. We (laughs) recap plots on heaving bosoms. Okay, Melanie? Jeez. <laughs> That's not just sex plot. Not okay, just so we've sex got plot. Melinda. Right. Melinda. Melinda. God damn it. <laughs> Already. Oh boy. She's teaching. She's teaching her reading class in a barn, in a field, yeah. in New Orleans somewhere. That's right. She's she's teaching those students. And all of a sudden, two white men come in who do not belong there. This is a yes. freedman school. And everybody freaks out because and they've got people, guns. Yeah, guys like these guys have been going around burning down these schools and, and like up you know murdering people, being general assholes about the concept of black people reading yeah. all over Louisiana. Yeah. So she's freaked out that these people are here, and she handles it in the Ugh. most aces way. She's, she's such like, a badass because they come in and they point at her and they're like, "Are you the teacher?" Uh huh. And she's like. I am the teacher. Can you men not read? Please sit down. The we would love to have you. Yeah. yeah. Pick up a slate. We are learning our letters today. Mm-hmm. And they are so taken aback. They don't They don't know They're what so to do. They're so confused. They're like, oh, we gotta uh, go, I guess. And so they fuck off. And some of her students are like, wow, you really did well there. And then the students decide that the men are going to come armed for all future classes because they know that Belinda was just in huge danger there because they're particularly going after teachers to make sure that there aren't people who want to teach Friedman Mm -hmm. how to read and write. Right. And then kind of dropped into the end of this chapter is is that student that asks her to write a um, something for the newspaper because yeah. he's looking for his his wife. His brother is looking for his wife. And it's kind of dropped in here that Belinda has somebody he asks if she has somebody that she's sweet on back home. I think he's like trying to flirt a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she I would says too. that she's betrothed to a man named Coleman Bennett. So already yes. at the beginning of the book, we've got a heroine that has a fiance back she's in taken. New York City. He's actually and in Paris. He's in he Paris trying in Paris. to get uh, <laughs> funding for a newspaper he wants to start. He is in Paris City. And so no, there's we'll, a New York component. I'm not crazy. No, They're no, going to no. move to New York together. They, no, they grew up together in New York. Right. The plan is that he's in Paris to try to get French funding for a newspaper he wants to start up. He's going to come back to the States, pick her up in New Orleans, and then they're both going to go back to probably New York, maybe Philadelphia or whatever, so that he can start his newspaper. Right. So she knows that she has this set amount of time to be in New Orleans and make a difference. She's thinking it's going to be around a month or six weeks, maybe a little bit more, but she has always known that teaching is her passion and her calling. And she feels like this is the best place in which she can really, really impact the most amount of people. Right. So she goes back home. She lives in this house. She rents a room in a house with these like two old sisters. Yeah. And one One is is terrible. And one is is great. That's Um. right. (laughs) 
one lady is saying horrific things like y'all should be shipped back to Africa and Uh the other lady is like have some dinner we love having you here Uh please don't be offended by my horrible cruel sister yes but one of the issues is Belinda isn't getting paid by the nuns yet so she's been unable to pay her rent even though she's due salary for teaching at the school and so she keeps saying, soon I'm going to get my stipend. And the mean one is like, if you don't have your stipend by tomorrow or whatever, we're going to throw you out on your ass. Right. And the other one's like, we're definitely not going to do that. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Right. We know that you, the money is coming. It's just a clusterfuck out there right now. She doesn't uh-huh. say that. It's 1867. But you get what I'm saying here. <laughs> yeah. So the next day, does she go and like see about that stipend? Is that what she's trying to do? Yeah. So the next morning, she goes out to the Freedmen's Bureau, one of the offices, so that she can just see WTF is going on with my stipend. And she ends up getting a script to get paid. I don't know what that means, honestly. Because apparently <laughs> there's this is just promised money. So she's already been right. promised money. Right. Then she gets more, like she gets documented promised money. But then apparently she needs to go somewhere else to get that money. Or maybe that is money now. Like, I don't yeah. know what that means. Anyway... Very confusing. And it's not Beverly Jenkins' fault. It's just the way that things were. That's No, you know. no. This is historically confusing. This yes. is accurately confusing. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> like, Belinda, the character, is also confused, it As seems, she should be. about what's going yeah. on. So then one of her students knows a person, like, down at a, a docks situation, and they had this mm-hmm. shipment of slates and chalk that nobody picked up. And so they were like, you can take it for your classroom if you want. So she gets herself down to the dock then to pick up those slates and chalk. And there's a streetcar situation because also, guys, the streetcars were terrible. This was like this was too early for Jim Crow laws because like the white supremacists weren't totally organized, but they were organized enough to have segregated streetcars. And the blacks only streetcars were like one for every 15 whites only streetcars as per fucking usual. So she tries to get on a streetcar, waits forever, and she's like, this is, I'll get there faster if I walk. You guys, she hoofs it, like, all the way down to the docks. It's a lot. And then she hoofs it all the way back to her school that's in the middle of a random I field. I will say, the 2020, well, I should say, the last time I lived in New Orleans was 2011. But yeah. the, the modern streetcar system in New Orleans is still pretty dodgy as to like right. when they're coming and like <laughs> where they're going and like which tracks are under construction and like yeah. if they're going to fall off on Lee Circle, which I'm not sure if it's still called Lee Circle. So I'm sorry about that. And like, <laughs> the, but the car always falls off there. You're, you're going to be two hours late if you try to take the streetcar. Whoa. And that is a modern system that right, is not right. segregated, that is not like also this like latent prejudice and also this. so I can't even imagine an 1867 yeah. streetcar where they're also trying to fuck you because of your race. So yeah. just yeah. wanted to put that out there as well. She she's probably better off walking uh-huh. just generally. So she okay. hooks it with this crate and she <sighs> gets to I her can't even imagine her it's so hot it's, too. And it's so fucking hot. And she's wearing like wool, I'm sure, like scratchy shit to her wool. neck lace up Jesus (laughs) so she gets all the way there then she finds that the lock on the barn door for her classroom is broken and it's like dun 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 what could have happened it's bad Uh you guys she gets in there's been squatters 
in there and they've been drinking and she says that they've been fornicating. She <laughs> says later on she talks to Drake and she's like, oh, spoiler alert, this is how she meets Drake. But she's like, yesterday that was my classroom and now it's a den for fornicators. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's me too. So it's bad. Um, and then she smells smokes. Mm-hmm. Oh no. Mm-hmm. There's been smokes. So she follows the smokes and she finds that these assholes have been burning her like uh-huh. four readers that she's been sharing amongst all of her students. She's already under support. Sure. Well, and that's why she went and got that crate. Yeah. <sighs> but like that was just slate and chalk. This is a mm-hmm. this is actual mm-hmm. like reading the, exercises yeah. mm-hmm. and letters and shit. But I think she didn't have slate. Like, she had the, the readers that True. she was passing around. And then, like, they were, like, writing on the floor and stuff. I think she yeah. had a very minimal amount of, like, it, it's rough, you guys. Yeah. So, yeah, they're burning all her shit. And so then, so she's trying to, she tries to get them out. And it doesn't work. They're, like, already brittle. And it's it's 1867 old paper. So, like, I, mm-hmm. don't, I don't even know what that feels like, you know. What, what do you think it is? Yeah. Mm-mm. God. No. It's basically papyrus. <laughs> And then, <laughs> and then, these yeah. three fucks come out of nowhere. So yeah. So then they do try to do a rape. So I have a question. Yeah. The two guys that were at her school yesterday, right. and the people that trash the schoolhouse, and the the guys that try to do that rape, are they yes. all the same? Are they all in league with each other? I doubt or are it. Are there just so many random at because I like the idea that they're not because no, I don't feel I don't like think they in are. the book it's suggested that these three troops are the same group or are in mm-hmm. league with each other. And I liked it because I felt like it showed like this is the this is the constant barrage of violence. Yeah. It was like it's not like crazy that you would have three unrelated acts of violence on this school slash this woman yeah. in the course of two days. So I thought that I I liked that. I liked that not all the villains in the book were all the same guy. Mm-hmm. Like at the end we took we took out the big bad villain and now it's it's solved. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, cuz that's not how systemic racism works. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, the other thing that I really liked was that these three troops are all wearing union uniforms. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I really enjoyed the portrayal that like not everybody in the union were abolitionists who wanted to make things better because that's just not how it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them were, well, maybe not most, <laughs> I'll say it. Most of them were just there to to keep the South in line, you know what I mean? And, and keep the keep the union together. And that was it. They didn't care mm-hmm. about the, the black people who now lived here. Yeah. I read so, one more blue. <laughs> remember? <laughs> yeah, bye. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so, so they try to do I, this rape instead of like I don't want to describe the whole thing, but like and it's it wasn't triggering for me, you know, like it it didn't feel terrible. It's but... not graphic, but it's also no. not something I want to like go into. No, but so that is happening, and That's then right. you guys out oh, of boy. nowhere comes uh, riding <laughs> on a wagon. Oh, no. I lost it. On He's a on wagon? a wagon. Is he yeah. wagon? Because he just picked up Sable. Okay, so he is a wagon coming with Sable. His name is Drake Levesque, and That's he right. is 
a army captain. He is a titan of a man. He is in a uniform. He oh, is yeah. huge muscle huge. man. He is a beard. He is a hot. He is a carpenter and an architect and a blacksmith. And he is a hot. He is those things. And he is yeah. a treehouse builder. And, and he is also, do you know what? A hero. Because he, he does hero. get out of that wagon. But I will say, Valinda did a stick in the fire and did a poke oh. in the throat to one she of the guys. She was so which is hot, a pretty you guys. Move. Yeah. First of all, she almost got away from them just by herself, right? And it's hard because she's a pint-sized person. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so she did one of those. And then this giant, giant man comes out. Yeah, so he like handles it. He like punches them right, yeah, he does. in the face. And he gives her a rifle. No, Sable has the rifle. Oh, okay. And so Sable's like, don't you dare move, you know, because there's like somebody else who like comes out of a tree or something. Listen, it was a little bit frenetic. (laughs) There was a a lot of things happening. A lot of things. But one of the rapists is like, oh, yeah, this lady, you need to get out of here because she's like my wife or whatever. Oh, yeah. And like I caught her with another man. So you need to get out of here. Like I'm I'm going to teach her a lesson. My situation and dude Levesque like Mm. he's got her like behind him or whatever yeah and he leans into her and he's like do you know this man and she's like nah no I don't and he's like you wouldn't lie to me would you Cherie because he is also a French (laughs) (laughs) you guys he's hot on so many levels (laughs) so anyway he does beat up those racists and um and rapists yeah those racist rapists HBs, have you heard of Body Bookworms? I love it. It's a subscription service that pairs romance with toys. One of their offerings, the Body Quickie, brings happy endings from the pages to the bedroom. Each monthly box features a super sexy inclusive romance paired with an erotic toy and tips on how to use it. Don't worry, batteries are always included because they love us. You'll also receive a surprise lifestyle product to complement your pleasure pairing for the month. Previous quickies have included The Wine and Dine, which featured Lush Money by Angelina Lopez, yum, paired with a luxe lipstick vibe. Or one time they did one themed The Lucky Three, which had Three for All by Elia Winters, Paired with a multitasking vibe perfect for all body types. And April's theme, get this, is Cunning Linguists, which promises sexy banter, hate sex, and talented tongues. Oh my word. Try the Body Quickie monthly with no long-term commitment. Pause or cancel your subscription at any time. And HB listeners can save 10% off their quickies and anything else in the shop with code SEXYHB because that's what you are. That's S-E-X-Y-H-B. You can treat yourself and support an independent lady-owned business. Don't miss out. And then he does take her onto his carriage and he's just like, you good? And they do, they like let her have some decompression time. They like sit in the field with her and just like let her calm down a little bit because she had a traumatic event just now. And I really appreciated that about both Drake and Sable. (sighs) Oh, also the one guy, 
says that she needs to be prosecuted because he shoved, she shoved that branch in his throat and yeah. caught his throat on fire. And Drake turns to her and it goes, good for you. Yeah, that's right. That was really, I so really good. like him. Okay. Yeah. So then they're like, where do you need to go? What's going on? And she tells them that she lives down in the quarter with these two sisters. So they give her a ride and it's really sweet. It like goes to his perspective and he's really impressed by the like mm-hmm. her moxie, you know? He's uh-huh. like, I yeah. really like the way she fought those guys off. He's a little bit into it. But also he introduces her to his sister Sable, who's a big yes. character in the book. And she it was the heroine well, in the previous book in this series. No, no. Yes. This is the first book in the Women Who Dare series. Well, but she it is also the in... last book in the Levesque series. Yes. She was in Through the Storm. That's Sable and Raymond. Raymond. And oh, they, they're French. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> they do French. Let's do it. Say it again. Do it again. Raymond. Well, why is it like Sable? <laughs> why are you going to put the stank on the Raymond, but not because, the Sable? No, because she's not French. Well, all I know, I haven't yet read Through the Storm. I plan to, but it was published in 1998, and she is a freed slave. And she and Raymond. (laughs) (laughs) I love it every time. I know. I'm probably just going to go with Raymond. Is it okay? Raymond. Are you? (laughs) Or you can call him Ray. Everybody calls him Ray. Yeah, she calls him Ray. (laughs) Anyway, so they take her back to her place, and Drake very much doesn't want to leave her at all. He's very much like in his inner monologue. He's like. Where are you from? Will you go to dinner with me? Blah, 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 blah. But he doesn't say any of that out loud. He's more like, here is my brother's hotel. And this is the bureau office I volunteer at. Mm-hmm. Very official. But he essentially says, if you need anything at all, please don't hesitate. We are at your service and we're ready to help. And he tells her where the hotel that his family Yeah. He says that is. we are going to the hotel right now. Yeah. Which is really convenient and good <laughs> there are a lot of things in this book that are very convenient for well their it's situation. a romance okay yes. i mean can you believe that <laughs> they ended yeah. up at the same hotel later this night <laughs> so <laughs> she walks into um the house and you guys bad news bears for everyone thank goodness we hadn't gotten very Attached to this character, the nice sister is super dead. The nice sister is dead, and it's very not ceremonious. It's very just like she's dead. Yeah, (laughs) she done died. Ceremonious a word? I don't know. But so the the bad sister is like, my sister's dead. Your shit is by the door. Get out. Get out. And she's like, oh my gosh, I was like nearly sexually assaulted less than an hour right. ago. I'm I'm hurt. Like I it's, have this it's prescription raining. that might be money or might not be money. Melody doesn't know. Is it raining? Did I make that up? I'm not sure. It's been a bad day. I <laughs> yeah. walked with that crate. The streetcar was bad. Please help. My school yeah. is gone. Just let me stay for the night. And she's and this like, bitch get is like, out. nope. I need to grieve my sister and I don't want you around right now. God, she's Horrible. awful. 
So she walks around and she's trying to find this address in a time where there were no maps, I think. That's what Mm -hmm. I think. But anyway, so she goes and she asks somebody where this hotel is and this fortune teller. (laughs) I just imagine the most cheesiest, like out of the smoke, the most like cheesiest fortune teller. Everywhere. Yes. Yes. And so she's like, that hotel is right over there. But first, let me see your poem or maybe something else. (laughs) And she says that she's going to lose a love, reject a love, and find a love. And at the end of the book, did you know what she was? I had (laughs) no idea. I was hoping you knew. (laughs) Cool, cool, cool. All right. (laughs) I have theories about all of them, but I was definitely going to ask you. Melody, I'm sure that everyone who read this book is going to be like, wow, what a bunch of dummies. (laughs) These dumb bitches. (laughs) I'm not really sure. I'm super okay. not sure. Okay, I can't wait to talk to you about who I we feel think like, it is later okay, on. I'm like eighty mm, percent sure that Drake is the love she finds. Listen, I <laughs> I am at okay. least seventy five percent sure it's Drake. <laughs> no, we're kidding, you guys. It's definitely Drake. It's one hundred percent. The other two are a little bit hazy. Yeah. Okay, so then the the fortune teller is like, don't be afraid to love him, I think she says. No, let him love you. Let him love you. Is that what it is? Don't be afraid to let him love you, I thought. No. Nope, it's not. No, it's dare to love him. (laughs) Dare to love him. (laughs) But also, let him love you, Belinda. (laughs) Just let him. Let him, Belinda. You really fight him for a long time on this, kind of, sort of, almost. I swore it said dare to let him love you. I am sorry. But then she's like, that hotel is right there. (laughs) Yeah, it's right across the street, babe. Go ahead. So she walks in and some asshole tries to stop her. The concierge or the butler or the, you know, the somebody who's semi-official. They are having a private party. They are to not be disturbed. That man is just doing his job. And this lady shows up with like a shitty dress and she's like all bedraggled. She clearly has suitcases hanging off her and she's she's just like bruises and scratches all over her face. Yeah. And she's like, I need to talk to Drake Levesque. And he's like, Drake Levesque is a very important man. Right. And cannot talk to you right now. And also Rich, you guys, he's a, a reconstruction billionaire. Yes. Okay. And so she just starts yelling. Yeah. Yelling Drake. Drake! <laughs> 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 she says, he told me I could come here if I needed anything. And Mr. Butler's yeah. like, okay, but he is at that okay, private party. Sweetie. So Pat on you're going to have to leave out. and come back. Listen, that guy was just doing his job. I'm I'm team that guy. All right. Letter of the law, Aaron, has reared her head. <laughs> Don't break rules. He's just doing his job. Just doing their jobs. I, You know, he was probably told not to let anybody in. And that's what he's trying to not get fired right now. Okay. <laughs> so then the so. whole family comes down and Juliana, the matriarch, is like, Drake, do you know this woman? And he's like, yes, mom, I do. So she's like, all right, well, please invite her up to dine with us and join our family party. And he's and she's like, oh, God, no, 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 no. Look at all the scratches no. on my face. He says, she says, do you know this woman? And he says, yes. And she says, is she always so stubborn? And he's like, I don't know. I just met her an hour ago. And she's like, she can have dinner with us. And then he goes, she likes stubborn women. Yes. <laughs> I love it. 
Okay. I was going to get to that right Sorry. after I told everyone that Belinda attempts to demure and refuse the invitation. Yes. Sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. Have you seen <laughs> no, me you back did a great job. Have you seen me slumping in your chair? <laughs> no, you I did just, a great I knew job. a plot. I knew a plot. You so did. I and I it. love you for it. I can't Sometimes wait to know, know so many more plots in this book. <laughs> I'm so excited. Thank you. I read it today. Thank you. <laughs> so she goes up with them. And he has no idea why, you guys, but he's so excited to see her again today. So sorry. He doesn't know why. What could, could it, it be, be? Could it be love? Could it be her her beautiful, taut, globular bosom? <laughs> <laughs> the word globular does not appear in this book you guys no it does not because this is a beautifully written book (laughs) he does like everybody in the Levesque family is like very passionately in love with each other and he does spare a thought for his mistress Josephine who we learn exists he does have a mistress so we've got a heroine with a fiance and a hero with a mistress and I am down with both yes of course all into it so while she's talking to somebody else she's talking to Sable and Juliana and during this chat she tells them about Cole and she tells them like about her life or whatever that doesn't matter though because what's happening over with Drake is that her brothers are like okay Drake so are are you into are you into this yeah and he's like you are yeah and he's like nope nope I'm definitely not and so two of his brothers are like okay cool if you're not then I'm definitely like I definitely am and (laughs) And Drake says, "If it, just because I am not staking a claim does not mean she's free for you to pursue. You will right. leave her alone. But then That's at what point somebody comes up and is like, sorry to tell you, your uh, your lady over there hasn't intended. We yeah, Sable about does it. that. And he's like, oh, well, she's not my lady. I don't care at all. And then somebody says, maybe he'll drown on the way back from Paris or whatever, which is a really <laughs> callous thing to say, considering that's how their father died. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you guys. I mean, they do have experience in it. I get They so. do know that is a possibility, but I was like, jeesh, jeesh. Well, I do have a, a quote pulled from right here because Sable tells him that Val hasn't intended, and it says, Drake felt like he'd been hit in the chest by one of Raymond's ship anchors, and that surprised him. By all accounts, her ties should have made him shrug and move on. But mm-hmm. for unknown reasons, it didn't. Ooh. But then, guess what Belinda does? The most embarrassing thing a woman can do. Did she feed somebody lobster bisque with a hair in it? <laughs> Is that something you've done? That was so specific. <laughs> oh, no. So specific. Okay. Yeah, all right. I'm no, set okay. the scene for we you. Read, we read a book I'm one time. Where it was like a lady was like at a big <clears throat> feast. Oh, we're not doing my thing. We're doing your thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes, let's do your thing first. And then we'll do the book thing. <laughs> no, honest to God, when you were starting that story, I got a text. And so you cut out. Okay. So I just assumed. I just assumed it was a weird thing you said and it wasn't something that had actually happened because that is usually the case. So please tell your story, Melanie. I can't wait to hear it. So I'm setting the scene for you. Uh-huh. I am turning 20, I think, two, And I decided that I was going to have a big old weekend of uh, sluttery as, mm-hmm. you know, I am want to do sometimes, especially when I am young. And so 
I decided that over the weekend, I was going to kiss 22 people. Mm -hmm. And there were like two or three celebrations that were happening throughout this whole thing in multiple Mm -hmm. cities. So it was like a good chance that I could do this. Anyway, so the second night, a bunch of us decided to meet up and we go out to this nice dinner and then we're going to go clubbing afterwards at all um, at like the gay bars around and so I'm sitting next to this cute boy and I'm like, you know, kind of into it. So we're flirting throughout dinner and I order my soup. I order this fucking lobster bisque and we, I don't know, we just start flirting by like, like feeding each other, like having each other try our dinners. It was this, like a weird this thing. This whole thing disgusts me to my core. I know. He initiated it and I was just like down with whatever. I was okay. probably, you know, I was just into it. So he feeds me a bite and I'm like, oh, that's so good. And then like I pick up some lobster bisque and I go to let him have some. And props to him. He really, really tried to save the situation because he took the bite, realized that one of my very long hairs was somehow in the bite. <laughs> yeah. And then was like trying to trying to get it out without alerting me to the fact that I did this really awkward thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he just, but he had to keep on pulling hair out oh, of his mouth. no. Because I had like waist length hair. It's <laughs> really embarrassing. Uh, it was, I just pretended I didn't notice. It was great. Ugh. And then. Did you kiss 22 people? Oh, yeah. Good. I did. Have I shared the story on the podcast about getting my wisdom teeth out and then making out with somebody and then bleeding in their mouth? Yes, that did. did happen. Yep. So <laughs> that's what that reminds me of. That's on the same level. Yeah. Um, are we going to do my thing now? We <laughs> <laughs> can do your thing. P.S. The book was A Princess in Theory by Alyssa Cole. It was? Yeah. She See, falls I was asleep at was, their... For some reason, I'm thinking about Highlander times, but maybe I was just thinking about royal times. It's royal times. It's at her welcome dinner in oh, Thessalon. And she does fall asleep there. And that is just <laughs> so embarrassing. And the same things happen has happened to Valinda. She has yeah. fallen asleep in a room full well, of people. Wait, wait, no, no, she did not. She they, did. Juliana No, she falls asleep in the carriage home. She Belinda, did in a carriage Juliana, full of people. And by room, what I meant was carriage. <laughs> Carriages are a room in their own way juliana offers her house for that night and so she and drake and juliana are all in the carriage together and belinda falls asleep on the way home it's so embarrassing and then drake does a big carry her up to the room a traditional lukov carry that's the one but i will say in princess in theory the same shit happened that's right carry her back Yeah, yeah 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 okay so he does enjoy the way that belinda feels cradled in his big beefy arms obviously he does identify her as a sexy woman that's right um and, and then, then the next morning she oh no and then the juliana's like you need to come over tomorrow and fix my goddamn greenhouse i've been asking you to do it for months you guys and he's juliana like, is on it from the beginning oh i love she juliana sees this shit, she gets them together she's she's pushing them together on a daily basis oh it's yeah great. and at one point like midway through the book belinda's like is this happening and every mm-hmm. i mean 
everybody is like, yes, girl, it, mm-hmm. that's definitely what Juliana's doing. And she's like, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt. Uh-huh. <laughs> sweet, sweet Val. So she wakes up in this like beautiful home with like a bathtub yeah. and like it's real. It's real nice. I'm going to so be honest. Very I did a big herbs because I was like architecture, architecture, framped doors. Hardwood floors. <laughs> Reconstruction was... times. Yes. But these are Beauty. these are very French doors. Like French people, yeah. French doors, like French. Mm-hmm. Th- this isn't Naperville French, okay? This no, is like French please. French. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um she thinks about like, gosh, it would be nice to take a bath in that bathtub, but she does not. No. And just kind of like gets her shit together and goes downstairs and she gets to have well, breakfast. Juliana is like, hey, are you awake? How you feeling? And mm-hmm. she's like, great. What time is it? And she goes 1 p.m. And oh, Belinda, she's so embarrassed. Now she's embarrassed. And, yeah. and Juliana's like, nope, it's my fault. I'm the one who let you sleep. You obviously needed it. You were, after all, assaulted yesterday. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. only yesterday. She gives her some cream for her face and then she takes her downstairs and she basically intuits that Valinda doesn't want to ask for a special lighter meal, mm-hmm. but orders for her basically mm-hmm. from their cook, Little Reba. And also so, like, hmm. she's like, do you want to go see my greenhouse and then also yeah. watch my son do manual labor on it? I feel <sighs> like you probably want to see these flowers slash. I feel like you need to. My son Watch sweating the on the top muscle. of the greenhouse doing the manual labors. Uh-huh. The so, pounding that he's doing. Yes. Mm. Mm. So she takes her outside and she sees Drake on the roof and it says, at their approach, he stopped. And when his gaze met hers, Val's heart skipped in her chest. Mm. With his dark skin, close cropped beard and Herculean build, he was breathtaking. A description she'd never attached to a man before. The men she knew back home were fine, upstanding examples of their gender, but none as riveting as Drake Levesque. That is identifying him as a sexy man. And then she thinks about her situation (laughs) with Cole Bennett, who um, is her friend from childhood, and they kind of had an agreement to get married so that she could escape her father, who was going to marry her off basically sell her but not in a slavery sort of way but in a um arranged marriage sort of way yeah it is kind of they do say that at the end kind of but yeah but in a like an arranged marriage so he can pay debts well she doesn't know that yet she just knows that her father finds old ass crotchety men who don't care about his daughters to like marry them off to and she doesn't want that life so she mm-hmm. agreed to marry Cole. And her this has already happened to her sister. Yes. That she's been married off to this old man. Oh my god, he gets he climbs down off this greenhouse and it oh. says as he moved away, she couldn't take her eyes off the way the thin, sweat dampened white shirt mm. clung to his broad shoulders and the slope of his back. He walked as if he created the world himself. Each step oh. left her so mesmerized she didn't hear what Juliana was saying. I'm yeah. sorry, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, and she realizes that Juliana just caught her. Ooh, your son. Yeah. Juliana takes her into the greenhouse and she explains more about the love she had with Drake's dad. And he used to bring her orchids back from all of her voyages. And that's why she has this whole giant greenhouse full of orchids. It's just gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And this gets Belinda on the train of thought where she's like, 
I've never seen love. I've never experienced love. Like, mm-hmm. this is a totally foreign thing. And it just starts getting her wheels turning. Yeah. And then Juliana's like, oh, yeah, I just saw you uh, watching my super hot Herculean son walking away. Yeah. I'm wondering if you might want to have lunch together. I feel yeah. like we should. I have so much work to do. Here's you guys. food. I'm going to fuck I off. I have correspondences. <laughs> And then in Belinda's uh, point of view, you she's like, I've never dined alone with a man before. Yeah. And has this, like, anticipation about, like, ooh, what is it like? And, of course, oh, you guys are shrimp and grits. And then also, yeah. she's like, yum, shrimp and grits. But she, yeah. she makes a little, like, mmm. <gasps> and, okay, Val forked up the shrimp and grits. Yes, thank you. <laughs> it was a dish she'd never eaten before, and it was so flavorful. She hummed with delight. His eyes shot to her. She froze in response. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that out loud. There isn't a man alive who doesn't enjoy hearing a woman's pleasure, he said. Heat flared inside of her, and she realized she had no business being alone with him. Before he even arrived, she was like, okay, I'm going to be alone with a man. It's fine. It's a little bit complicated that it's this man because he is hot in a way I don't understand. and I don't really know how to act because I want to be polite, but I Mm -hmm. also don't want him to see that my blood starts boiling when he's around in all the best ways. Mm -hmm. And I also don't want him to think of me as like a possible conquest because I'm not. Or am I a possible conquest? No, no, no. I, no, no, I'm, I'm not available to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. (laughs) And then he asks her all about herself and she talks about how she grew up climbing trees and shooting marbles and, and, um, doing all kinds of tomboy stuff and, you know, getting dirty, playing baseball. And that her dad didn't let her do that stuff. So he starts saying, wow, you know, like, we have a lot in common. Like, I love tree houses. And, like, I love doing that kind of stuff, too. And I still do. I built my own tree house when I was a kid. Yeah. I'm planning to build a tree house at my house for, like, adult tree house times. Yeah. And, and she says that she did all this stuff with Cole growing up. And that they were best yeah. friends. And he starts to think of her as a little hellion. Yeah. And then he asks if it's a love match with Cole. And she says no. And she doesn't really see the utility and stuff like that. Right. Mm. And he's like, utility? What are you talking about? (sighs) And then he tells her about his grandparents, Dominic and Claire, who were the the characters in um, Captured. Yeah. She's beautiful. Because he, you guys, is descended from pirates. Yes. Oh, he talks about his pirate blood. This is through. a Pirate Times book. I'm sorry it's it is. It's a little bit for pirates. Yeah, it's a little it's bit Pirate Times. It's definitely a Pirate you, Times book. But a real Pirate Times book is captured and you should read it. That's also true. But he's like, if you're not marrying for love, why get married? Because he's rich he, and he's a man and he doesn't think about these sorts of things. And she's like, I had, I have to or else like my, my dad, you know. Right. Anyway. Or else I'll get pushed into something truly terrible. Yes. And she knows that Cole will be a good husband to her and he's not going to rule her life, you know, because he's he's a kind friend. Yeah, because within this, we also find out a little bit about her grandmother, mm-hmm. who also had a bad, you know, marriage. And when her husband died, she got courted a lot. And she owns a a seamstress shop up in New York. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I don't want to get married again because all marriage brings are men who want to control my business and my finances and my freedom. So I'm going to be my own person. And Valinda feels like 
she can't do that because of her father, although she wants to. Mm-hmm. But the closest she's going to get to that is a marriage with Cole because he respects every molecule of her being. Also, she says, if marriage gives me the freedom I desire, why would I need love? And he says, for the companionship, adoration, and bed games. Uh-huh. Bed games, she echoed doubtfully. From his amused manner, she'd assumed he was talking about marital relations. The proper, well-raised vow would have shied away from such improper discussion, but the girl her father called Hellion asked, Are you speaking of marital relations? (laughs) (laughs) I am. Bed games are played with mistresses and women of the night, not wives. And then he explains, Oh, no, they are played with wives. No, so he's like very entertained by how she's like very confident and very rebellious and yes. um has grown up kind of with some rough edges, but then is also like very like bad games. Yeah, well, she's I, very I, naive. I, yes. Yeah. And so he says, your confidence is intriguing. Were you not intended for another? I would court you. Which is <gasps> very bold. And she says so. And that's when he tells her he's a pirate. Oh, he's a pirate. <sighs> okay, we have to move on. But this is such a I'm beautiful... Sorry. I want to read every single droplet of their banter. Mm -hmm. So my suggestion to all of you is is to read every every droplet droplet. of their banter by buying and reading this book. Okay. (laughs) Or, you know, going to the library and getting this book. However you do it. Yep. Okay. Oh, now they're going to go around and tell all of her students that the school has been closed. Yeah. He offers to take her on his carriage and kind of let them know. So she's got like three that she knows where they work. So they're going to go there and then ask them to tell the other ones. And really not a lot happens except that we... We learn a lot about New Orleans at that time. Uh-huh. And it, it's good reading, but plot-wise, they're just kind of spending time together, and it's nice. Yeah, the one thing that I sort of want to talk about, just because it does come back later, is that they go to a cigar shop where one of her lady students is a janitor, and it's obvious that the white son of the owner is very interested in the lady's betterment. And the owner is very like, she should only be around for janitoring and it's terrible. And not only does Valinda first counter him and confront him about his awful views, Mm -hmm. but then Drake stands up for her as well. And it's, it's one of the first moments in the book where she's like, oh my gosh, he's like, not only did he take the time to drive me around about my career stuff, but now he's backing me up and using his weight to further my goals Mm -hmm. you know very hot it's hot yes is a really good way to put it (laughs) and when he drops her back off at his mom's house that night he says i enjoyed our time together and she agrees and he says next time i'm gonna bring my marbles and she's like only if you don't mind parting with them because guys when you play Uh, marbles you get other people's marbles and you get to keep them and he says, I love a challenge. And she says, I sense that. And it's oh, hot. It's so good. Oh, mm. man. Can I read? Okay. Okay. It says, although she was not to be his, he gave himself permission to imagine how it might be if she were. Because fantasy hurt no one. They'd shoot marbles, play checkers and chess, and travel to the Orient on one of Ray's voyages. He'd want to hear her positions on the political machinations of the day and take her to the racetrack and the opera. He wondered if she knew how to swim or ride and if she still liked climbing trees. And yes, there'd be bed games. 
She wore her hair in a tight bun that showed off the beautiful lines of her small brown face and the tempting expanse of her throat above her high-necked blouse. He imagined brushing his lips against that soft column until she hummed with pleasure. Were she his, he'd build her not just a classroom but a school and gift it to her for her birthday or Christmas, thereby showing her what it meant to be loved and adored by a man of the house of Levesque. By a man of the house of Levesque. You guys, the sweeping goddamn romance Uh in this thing. (sighs) All right, so... Lebec- oh, so then he gets home. Yeah, so so oh, Drake no. finds out that when he gets home, that the son of his housekeeper yeah. has been shot. Straight up murdered. Murdered in front of his wife and seven-year-old child oh. by a guy named Liam Atwater. Yep. And the reason why is that Liam wanted this guy Daniel. I don't remember his last name right now. His name was his name was Daniel, and we yeah. can, I think we can just call him Daniel. Okay, Daniel but didn't want to sign the work contract because yeah. uh, Friedman are are in this terrible position because they have to work. Like I think legally they have to have jobs, but they're being forced or coerced into these contracts by their former slave owners a lot of times or just by by former slave owners period that essentially puts them into a different kind of slavery so daniel looks at this contract and he's like okay i understand that you want me to work six days a week from sunup to sundown and i'm used to that by this point but I don't like the clause in here where you said that I cannot leave the plantation without your permission. What do you not understand about my being free? And the guy shoots him on the spot and it's awful. And then they take his body out to the swamp. Yes. They won't let his family bury him in any kind of respectful way. They take him out to the swamp. So I'm going to, in rapid succession, tell you all the things that Drake does so that we can get through some of these things. Great, great, great. And it's going to be in rapid succession. Great. Are you seeing me? And Melody's going to shut the fuck up. Yeah. That's right. Okay. So Drake Mm -hmm. goes to Liam Atwater and he's like, I would like Daniel Downs, is his last name. I would like Daniel's body. Yes. And I would like to bury it. I want it back. I know you killed him. Liam's like, oh, no, he's gator food now because we fed him to the gators. So Drake kind of makes some veiled threats and then he leaves. Yes. Then he goes to his workplace and he talks to his... It's weird because Levesque's a captain, but his boss is a lieutenant at this place. I don't really understand the hierarchy here. But he says to Lieutenant Merritt, who is his boss at the Freedmen's Bureau, we've got to do something about this. Merritt Mm -hmm. says, okay... Are there witnesses? And he's like, yes, the man's wife and child were right there. And he's like, no, those aren't credible witnesses because they're black. So (sighs) unless you know of a white witness, this murder did not happen. So Drake says he wants to take this higher in their chain of command. And Merritt says, if you take this higher in the chain of command, you no longer have a seat at the Freedmen's Bureau because I'm ordering you not to. Drake quits the Freedmen's Bureau, which he does not want to do because he does good work there, but he can't stand... He can't stand this. He he needs well, to... I mean, and he also hasn't really been able to do good work there since Merritt arrived. True. Yeah. Yes. Merritt's been not a very good leader of the Freedmen's Bureau. So 
Drake takes it higher on the chain of command and they then do nothing. Mm -hmm. And he's feeling really bad because he's thinking of his grandfather who freed an entire island of people or ensured that they were not enslaved and he can't even help this one man, you know. So he's feeling pretty useless. Then we have the thing where he goes to the guy's house that was supposed to pay him. He does construction. He has a work team yeah. does construction. Ooh, the guy doesn't pay moment. him enough. He says he's paying him what it's worth. And Levesque says, hey, we have a we had a deal. And he's like, too bad. You're wealthy. You can pay your workers with your own yeah. money. So it's really interesting because this whole thing is like, on the one hand, you're wealthy. You can cover the balance. But also, this guy, this is a white guy. And so he's simultaneously saying... You have more power economically than me, but I still am above you because I'm white and I'm going to go back on my promise and you can't do anything about it because you'll be punished much harsher than I will be. Right. So then Drake had packed a sledgehammer just in case and then just goes out and fucking destroys the whole building, which probably felt pretty good after the last day he's had anyway. Hell yeah. And broke all the shit. And the guy's like screaming, like, don't do this. Don't do this. It's very satisfying. It's great. So he also gives him back his money, FYI. He does? Yeah, he's like, here's your money back. And he says that he'll pay the guys out of his own pocket. I didn't remember that. Well, because otherwise it would be theft. Mm -hmm. They did do the work. It's not theft. Yeah, They did the work. No, I know. But but he would have turned it into theft. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, it would have been bad. Okay, so then we go to Valinda. And Valinda's going around to the nuns trying to figure out what can we do about getting a new schoolhouse for Mm -hmm. me and the students. The nuns tell her that no longer will there be a school because of pressures from the Creole community because the schools were supposed to teach the Creole kids, I guess, and they didn't. Now there's too many freed kids in the the schools. They're crowding the schools, which is a rough. It's more than just crowding. Yeah, yeah, that's true, but I think that's the, the veil here on this. So... So, yeah, because of pressures from the Creole community, they're going to close the the free schools. Yeah. And so now she's like, well, I I think because they were supposed to help her find a new place. Right. And so she's like, I can still do this, but I am on my own now. I need to find a place by myself. Okay. So then they go, they are all at dinner, I think, at Juliana. So the matriarch's house or maybe they're at the hotel. I don't know. But Sable mentions to Valinda that she has an orphanage on the land. Yeah. So everybody kind of lives on this Levesque land. And I guess because of the Creole community not letting the black children go to the schools, or I guess the freed children. It's Yeah, it's freed children. Guys, this is very difficult to parse. Like, the, the Creole community in Louisiana is of uh, usually mixed-race descent is French, Spanish, often Caribbean, Haitian, yeah. African-American. Like, it's a whole melting pot. Um, but they, they usually are lighter-skinned. Yes. And they've always been free. And they've these families, in particular, have money. They right. have means. And so now they're saying, we don't want our children taught alongside these former slave children because they feel as though there should be a distinction between them. And, like... Juliana mentions that they went to petition the government to, like, make them a special class of people. Right. So they're not all lumped into the same piece of pie. 
Right, exactly. So when I'm when yeah. I'm making a distinction right now between Creole people and black people in this book, yes, that is the distinction I'm making. Whereas like today, I think a lot of Creole people identify as African American or black, even though the right. heritage is far more, you know, very complicated. Sure. Heritage. Okay. All right. Okay. So her orphanage has also lost their yes. teacher because of this situation. And she asks Belinda if she wouldn't be a teacher for those orphans, but she still needs a place to teach. Yes. And so then Drake comes and he joins them at lunch and he mm-hmm. looks at Belinda and he says, if you were going to stay in New Orleans, I'd build you a school. And he thinks about how kind it is that she's going to teach those orphans, knowing that she probably yeah. like might not get paid or I don't she works out payment with Sable so that she will get paid. But like, it's a very yeah. selfless thing to do. And also, he's in a situation now where he doesn't have a housekeeper at his place because he told his housekeeper to go stay with her sister to mourn the loss of her son. Yeah. So he asks his mom if he can come stay with her for a few days Forced so that he doesn't have to cook his own food, even though oh. he says that he can, just in case you're worried about that. But it's oh, more convenient no. if he, he can take care of himself. Because he's such a man. I tried to do the melody thing and I couldn't do it. <laughs> you could. You I tried, I tried, I tried. Take that, coworker. <laughs> yeah. So he finds out she's going to teach those orphans and he says, That's very kind of you. The sincerity of his gaze snared her and she was at a loss mm. to explain why he affected her in ways that no other man had before. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. And this is when she realizes she does not want to go back to New York with Cole. Yeah. She likes New Orleans. She sees the need here for a school teacher. Like her whole thing is she wants to make a difference. And she realizes like there's orphans here that need a teacher. Like we can do this. And so she's like, maybe we can get Cole to stay in New Orleans. He can open his paper here. Yeah. So then she's like doing some stuff. I don't know, like a paperwork. I don't know what she's up to. And he oh. comes in the next day. He comes, he comes in and brings her some lemonade. With a lemonade. And he's Can like, Can I you please wanna... read what happened? Oh, please do. Okay, it says, He handed her a glass and she took a sip, and her hum of pleasure brought his eyes to hers. You need to stop doing that, you know. I can't voice my pleasure about the lemonade. <laughs> Only if you want to make me wonder what else makes you purr. <laughs> As if she weren't already warm enough, heat from his words flashed over every inch of her body. More pirate talk she tossed back more boldly than she felt. Mm -hmm. Yes, and it would be courting pirate talk if you were free. (sighs) I love a man who makes his intentions known. He's so forward. They're like out of this gazebo. I think it's because she's already told him it's not a love match. So he's trying to be clear to her. She could have a love match. I like you and look how hot I am and also how rich and like think about it. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. He's talking about how he loves that she's like a hellion. And he says, does your intended prefer the hellion or the meek miss? And she says, why does that matter? And he says, because I see a woman settling for a small piece of cake when she can have it all. Melody, oh. you know how I love a whole cake. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. They're you speaking know what, my language. <laughs> I love a whole cake more than I love a whole cake metaphor. All right. <laughs> and I love a whole cake metaphor, a metric fuck ton. But she says it's really none of his business, you know, why she settled yeah. on, on Cole. She says, there are no buts. I've chosen Cole. He's chosen me. 
We don't right. need your approval or blessings. He sipped his lemonade and smiled. Something funny, she asked. Just pleased you picked up your sword, Sherry. Because she always talks about mm-hmm. how she's not bantering with him and there's no verbal sword play. And then sometimes she picks mm-hmm. up that sword. Yeah. Ooh. All right. So uh, then he goes and well, he shows and her that tree house. Oh, man, I love that you had the top portion of that page mm-hmm. highlighted because I have the bottom portion of that and page it is. highlighted. She says, he does care for me. And he says, then may you have a happy life. She goes, do you mean that? And he says, if he is your choice, yes. Mm. Oh, mm-hmm. respecting her choices. <laughs> oh. So then he does go and show <laughs> her that tree house that he built when he was 10. And she says it's just a couple of slats up there in an old oak. And she says yeah. it looks like it'll serve as a way to a hospital. And he says, you wound me, Sherry. Oh, it's so oh. hot. And he talks oh. about how he's building himself like a big old house yeah. on the land. And he's going to build himself a big old tree house up in some yeah. maple trees. And he's very oak trees. Definitely oak trees. I don't know why I said it's maple trees. super oak trees. Very oak trees. Ugh, yeah. It's going to be beautiful. Oh. It's going to be perfect. He says, maybe if your intended agrees, I can invite you both to tea in the treehouse when it's finished. Uh And she's like, I think he would like to go up into your treehouse. Yeah. And then he says, you're always welcome to climb my tree whenever you want. (gasps) Whenever you like. (laughs) She sensed he was referencing more than an oak and she suddenly found it difficult to breathe. Ah, it's so good. Oh, and then she says, are you having fun? And he goes, fun? And she goes, at my expense? And he says, never, Shelly, but I am enjoying imagining all the fun we'd have together if you were free. You guys, I cannot. That wasn't, I, I have highlighted the ty- the part before that and the part right after I, that, which oh, is. Oh, I have the part after that, too. Build us a treehouse we could have tea in, used to, escape uh-huh. the, uh, used to escape the heat of the day in and sleep together in at night. Ooh. Val's eyes closed as the seductive wake of his words washed over washed her. Washed over her. We catch frogs and fireflies, oh. take one of Raymond's boats and sail to oh. Cuba and have dinner with my cousins and then walk along the beach, beach in the moonlight. moonlight. He says, then I'd kiss you until sunrise. And she says, please don't kiss me. And he said, Uh, I won't, not unless you're free to ask me to. uh, Her looking at him and just saying, please don't kiss me. Please don't kiss me. Because she knows that she'll just ignite and then climb him like a mountain. A tree, a tree, Melody, a tree. We we just did (laughs) this. I'm mixing my metaphors. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Ooh. Do you think it's the end? I think it's the end for this week. Don't you? Okay. So many two-parters. That's okay. No, this is dense, and we really got to do it justice, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think okay. that this is way better. Plus, they get to look forward to the uh, hot, hot, sexy times. Yeah, let's do the thing week. we always do. Read this book. Read it. Yeah. Read it. That's what you book. should be doing is reading this book. So do that, yeah. please. Okay. All right. Excellent. Okay, Aaron, do you have a lady love? <laughs> um, do you? <laughs> what is there to love? What I is know. there to love? <laughs> the world is on fire. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. So as much as we are an escape time for you, and I want that to be for you, listener, we also need to get a little bit serious real quick. And that is, 
social distancing. It's your friend and mine. <laughs> uh-huh. That's right. I'm talking about coronavirus nonsense. Let's be COVID-19 smart is all I'm saying. Let's turn this into an opportunity, right? All of you introverts, get fucking stoked. Yeah. You, you might have your family around a little bit more, but you can always escape to another room. No pressure. No pressure. Hey, you guys want to go to the bar? No. Don't no. do that. I can't. I can't do that. Because of the global pandemic. What an incredible That's excuse right. to just be uh, cozy with your romance books. And a tea. Yeah. Yes, do that. Yeah, like don't take your kids to the park anymore. Stop that because it Stop can it. live on smooth surfaces for like don't do it. two days or nine days. It's so long, you guys. It's it's long enough. <laughs> don't listen then... to our science facts. Please. <laughs> Please. They didn't come here for science go, facts. Go to legitimate sources for your science facts. That's the don't one. say heaving bosoms said it could leave on surfaces for two to nine days. Please don't do that. It is at least two, though, in the right conditions. Seriously. Okay, but just don't. It's a long ass time. Just don't use this for science. Yeah, look up CDC shit, you know? CDC.gov, motherfuckers. Stuff from good science places. Yes. Hey, guys, gurgling with salt water does not kill it in your throat. So, like, stop sharing that meme, maybe. Stop that. Don't do that anymore. Oregano does not cure it. No. No. All you herbalists, sit the fuck down. Sit down, herbalist. (laughs) I am one. Sit down. (laughs) Sit down, herbalist. This is not your, this is not your place, okay? There, there's a beautiful place for you in the world. This is not it. This is not it. Mm -mm. And, uh, let's see what else. (laughs) Yeah, don't, oh, oh, the grocery stores around me are still delivering for the most part, which is nice. But like quarantine your groceries for 12 hours before you touch it. You know, just put it in the fridge and let it sit there for like 12 hours and it'll be better. And also, if you, we've got this elderly couple neighbor and like if our grocery stores stop delivering, I'm going to go over and see if they want me to do their grocery shop with mine mm-hmm. because we're already shopping for my in-laws. We don't want them leaving the house. So like mm-hmm. we're doing their shopping. We'll do the other guys too. If you know an old ass person, yeah. just ask them if they want to add some stuff to your list. You know, yeah. ask That's them a nice over the thing phone. To do. Don't go to their house. Yeah. Try not to go to their house. Try totally. to do it on the phone. If put you a, have to go to their house, knock, up a knock, sign. knock, and put then stand sign. six feet away from their door. Also, do a don't love actually. Do a do love a actually. Love actually. Oh. Can I buy you your groceries? Oh. My wasted heart will love you until I look like this. You know, like oh. that kind of thing. My gosh, I've never heard of a better idea. We've all wanted to do a love actually. And now <laughs> you can do it and save a goddamn life. And now, instead of in the context of love, actually, which is a terrible thing to do, to go up to somebody who's recently married Mm -hmm. and say, No unrequited bullshit. You keep that nonsense to yourself. This is actually kind, what I'm suggesting. Yeah. That's the one. Hmm. Oh, I love these ideas. I love them. (laughs) We're just full of just great ideas. (laughs) We are. (laughs) And hey, wash your hands for 20 seconds. You want to know what's 20 seconds? Huh. I do my hair toss, check my nails. <laughs> Baby, how you doing? Feeling good as hell. Do that four times. That's 20 seconds. And like, you can just rock the fuck out at the zinc. Yeah. And it is the best. So I've been try doing that. that song from South Korea that they made the coronavirus song. Oh, I it. love that. Like, yeah. Corona, 
cup. <laughs> yeah, I don't know seconds, the words in Korean, but I just kind of go. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. don't have to know the words to do it. <laughs> you don't. You just need to know that beautiful melody. You know. Yes. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I know a beautiful melody. Ah! It's you. <laughs> couldn't resist did i just do a real pregnant pause to see if you would walk through that door maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> all right so that's my lady love and i think it's aaron's too yeah mine was the love actually thing just write yeah. that down as being aaron's idea because oh. it was oh um, so fair <laughs> <laughs> we always like to do correct attribution you know? uh-huh yeah mostly mm-hmm. when it when it involves me i demand it <laughs> all right so Keep being a badass and love yourself uh, as much as you love feeding hot, hot potential sex partners waist length hair. (laughs) And you do love doing that. You love it. I did. It's your favorite thing to do. It was pretty fun. I just sat there and I giggled and I giggled and then I ate the rest of my hairless soup. (laughs) (laughs) Should we see where they can find this? Guys, just Google it. You'll find it. Yeah, find us, bye. Yeah, bye. (laughs) Find us, bye. (laughs) Hey, you. Yes, listener, you. Are you loving the show? If so, please leave a rating and review in your podcast app. The 90 seconds you take to say something nice not only helps new people find the show, but it makes me super smile over at HBHQ. Also, I've had a few people ask, and the answer is yes, we are still doing the five-star bribe. If you leave us a review with five stars, then we'll do whatever book you want. We're real, real deep into the list, though, so it might be a while. Ah! Lilas. Okay, back to the show.